Our sermon text this morning is uh, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, as we are continuing to work our way through the, the Lord's Prayer, and this morning we come to the fifth petition, which reads there in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. In our study of the Lord's Prayer, we have seen more than once that there is a definite structure to this prayer. These petitions are not just slapped together in some random order. In fact, just the opposite is true, that Jesus began with the most important petitions first, those petitions that concern God and his cause. And uh, he began with these first to show us that God and his name and his kingdom and his will are to be the most important things to us in any of our prayers. Last time we considered the fourth petition, which is to give us this day our daily bread, a petition that concerns our physical needs as we live in this world. And again, the order of the petitions is important. Only after acknowledging God is the number one priority in our lives, which is what took place in those first three petitions, only then can we rightly pray for our physical needs. And so we need to view our physical needs only in terms of how they enable us to serve God and his kingdom. We are to view our possessions. We are to to view the things that we have of this earth, not as treasures that, that we love and that consume our hearts and lives, but we need to view these things as tools for the glory of God. And if you have truly prayed each of the petitions up to this point, then you will see the need for this fifth petition, the one that we are considering this morning, where we are asking God to forgive our debts. And you may not realize the logical flow of thought, as it's very easy to just skim over the words of the Lord's Prayer, and probably most, if not all of you, have have memorized this prayer and have perhaps even prayed it hundreds of times. It's easy for these words to become just routine and for us to Just say the words without even thinking about what they mean. And my hope is that through this study, you are coming to see in a fresh way the depths of this prayer. And if you have understood the real meaning, if you've understood the implications of the petitions up to this point, then you know that you are far from perfect. You know, in fact, that you are full of sin. In fact, if you find it virtually impossible to pray the Lord's Prayer because of the spiritual demands that it places upon you, then you are understanding this prayer correctly. If you realize that every one of these petitions has to do with your heart, and you realize that your heart is so corrupt that you can only begin to truly pray this prayer, then you understand exactly what true prayer demands of you. And what should be clear in our minds is how little we are concerned then with, you see, the hallowing of God's name. That's the first petition. How short we come in our desire for the coming of Christ's kingdom, how inclined we are to rebel against and even transgress the will of God. In fact, if you and I know ourselves, we are constantly seeking the things here on earth rather than the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because of our sinful lust, we are so often dissatisfied with the things that God has given us, even though we have far more than just bread. Because of our lack of faith in God, we are so often sinfully anxious about tomorrow and whether the Lord's going to provide our needs. And so every step of the way, this prayer has pointed out our sinfulness. 
In other words, when we pray these petitions, as we should, we cannot help but see our need for praying now the fifth petition and forgive us our debts. Now, there are some who say that we as Christians no longer need to pray this prayer. What they'll say is that, yes, at one time, back when we were first saved, yes, at that point, we asked God for forgiveness of our sins. But now that our sins have been washed away through the blood of Christ, there is no need for us to ask again. In fact, they would point out that to keep asking God for forgiveness seems like a denial of the cross of Christ. Isn't it true that when God forgives us, he forgives our sins past, present, and future? Isn't it true that when God says that our sins are taken away from us as far as the east is from the west, they are totally forgotten? Yes. Those things are true. So then people wonder, isn't it the case then that we have no need to ask for forgiveness except that first time when we were first saved? Well, how would you answer that question? What would you say in order to refute this? Well, let me suggest some things. Well, first of all, just look here at the Lord's Prayer itself, because this petition, like the others, is given to us as as a normal part of prayer. This is a model prayer that the Lord has given us. This is, it has the elements of, of what our prayers should have in them. Just like we continue to pray for our daily bread, so we continually are to pray that God would forgive our debts. And this is because even though by faith, yes, we are justified by God through the saving work of of Christ and our account with God is forever settled, yet we still sin. And for each sin, God wants us to acknowledge our need of Christ's cleansing. And even though all of our sins have been forgiven, it is only right that we still be grieved by the sins that we commit. In our Christian experience, then we cannot help but confess our sins to God. In fact, repentance is such a normal part of the Christian life that anyone who says that they've confessed their sins only once when they were first saved, and that's the end of their repentance, they really don't know what it is to to truly repent. They don't even know what it is to be a Christian. Because when Christ saves us and when he works repentance in us, we not only confess our sins one time, but we become involved in a daily, ongoing process of turning from sin and seeking to live obediently before the Lord. The fact is that we fail in many ways to live obediently, and God causes us to feel the guilt of what we have done. That's part of what he does through his Holy Spirit. And even as we read the scriptures and it points out sin in our lives, well, why would God want us to feel the guilt of our sin? Well, it's so that we will continually go to him seeking the forgiveness of our sins. The bottom line is that for us as his people, God has willed that things be this way. And if we want to have assurance of our justification in Christ, we have to repent. We have to confess our sins even daily. 1 John 1.9 says to believers that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God has appointed that this confession of sin and assurance of forgiveness go together. Now, in order to avoid any possible misunderstanding this morning, it must be emphasized that 
you have not lost your salvation when you sin as a Christian. Christian life is not this roller coaster ride where you are going up and down, in and out of salvation. Being at one time lost in sin and under God's wrath and then asking for forgiveness and being saved and then later sinning, falling back under God's wrath again, asking for forgiveness yet again and being saved again. No, that's not how it works. We are justified once and for all when we are first united to Christ by faith. Faith is a bond that unites us to Christ and his righteousness, and that's a bond that cannot be broken. You cannot become a member of God's family and then be cast out of God's family. When you become a child of God, you are forever his. But then what about the fact that we as Christians still sin? Well, even though God does regard us in in his sight as perfect in Christ, yet in and of ourselves, in our own hearts, and in our lives, we are imperfect. The idea is we have a perfect record, yes, before God, but we are not ourselves perfect. And so even though our sins have been forgiven, God remembers them no more. We must not imagine that God is no longer aware of the sins that we continue to commit. Um, yes, he no longer sees our sin. It's cast away, uh, away from us and, and taken from us. He no longer holds it against us in order to condemn us to hell for it. Um, We are innocent before the judgment seat of God. And yet in our everyday lives, we sin and God sees our sin and is displeased with our sin. Even our confession speaks of God's fatherly displeasure with our sin. And in order to work ongoing repentance in us, he will smite your conscience. He will cause you to grieve over your sin and hate it because he doesn't want you to go on Uh, on your own merry way and sin, but he will make you to feel that your sins are worthy of damnation. This says you understand out of love for you as his children. This is important, and I want you to remember that, that that if your Christian walk is such that you continue to see sin in your life and daily repent of those sins, that really proves that you're a Christian. It proves that you have been forgiven and are truly saved. It shows that Christ is at work in your heart. In fact, the more that you grow as a Christian, the more you will see your need to repent. I think people are confused by this. It's not that as we become more mature as Christians, we will repent less. No, the opposite is the case. The more we study God's word, the more we come to see how far we fall short of the glory of God, the longer we are Christians, the more we know we need the forgiveness of our sins in Christ. And so it should be abundantly clear that this petition is for all of us involving something we are to do every day of our lives. But then looking now more closely um, at the text, there are some questions that arise with this petition, such as what is sin? What is the forgiveness of sin? Uh, What is meant here by debts? And how is forgiveness possible? And what exactly is the meaning of that second clause as we also have forgiven our debtors. Um, if we think of that question for a moment, will God not forgive us if we don't forgive others? And uh, if he does forgive us, seemingly because we forgive others, are we not meriting his forgiveness? So there are some things that we need to deal with, some questions that need to be answered in connection with this fifth petition. I'd point out that there are really two versions to the Lord's Prayer. In other words, we find it recorded in two different places, the 
here in Matthew 6, but also in Luke 11. And two different words are used for sin. So in Matthew, we find here the word debt. And in Luke, we find the word that is translated simply as sin. And really, we need to combine both of these these ideas of sin to get the full picture. So the word in Luke, which is translated sin, means aiming at the wrong mark. It means a striving after the wrong purpose, missing the mark. And the idea is that God made us moral creatures who each of us have an aim in life. We have a purpose for which we strive, a reason for why we do what we do, and a standard according to which we act. And God sets before us the mark at which we are to aim. The mark, the, the purpose of your life, the motive for all things should be the glory of God as set forth in his law. And sin refers to when we fail to hit that mark. And often an analogy is used of the archer who is there with his bow and arrow in front of him is a target with a bullseye. That's the mark that he is to hit. And sin is then missing the mark. And yet I would point out that this analogy fails in, in, in some ways. It doesn't give entirely the right idea because sin is not missing the mark by accident. Um, the analogy isn't quite right um, because it pictures the archer as doing his best to hit that bullseye and yet failing, which is really not the picture of the sinner. The natural man, talking now about the natural man who doesn't know the Lord, he doesn't love God. He doesn't try his best to please God out of a love for God. And he's only going to find himself failing to live up to that standard. Um, by nature, really, we... we willfully and deliberately miss the mark by nature we are enemies of god we we refuse to seek the glory of god we aim at something entirely different than we ought our purpose in life by nature what motivates us is not the glory of god but our own glory and because of this we become debtors to god sin is debt As sinners, we refuse to give what is owed to God as his mere creatures. We do not meet the obligations that we have to obey our creator. We owe God love. We owe him obedience. And because of our sins, we now owe him a debt that deserves punishment. This this debt is what we ask God to forgive. In asking God to forgive our debts, we are when we understand the the Greek word for forgiveness, asking God to send away or to dismiss our debt. We approach God in prayer asking that he would wipe the slate clean, that he would dismiss our debt so that they are forgotten and never brought up again, so that they are erased out of his record book. And when you stop and think about it, this request, this idea that we would ever that we ever could or would ask for such a thing of God is really unbelievable. Sometimes we become so used to praying for forgiveness that we forget how bold and in a way shocking this request is. Imagine someone who has taken out a business loan from a bank of thousands upon thousands of dollars and then for months on end never makes a payment on this debt. In fact, he squanders the money. He doesn't use it to build up his business, but goes on vacations and 
racks even up more debt on credit cards, and then one day, after getting back from vacation, the guy goes to the bank and he talks to his loan officer and says, you know, I would appreciate it if you would just dismiss my debt. <laughs> Could you just please erase what I owe off the records? Let's just forget that I even ever owed you any money. Well, what would you think of that? That You would say this guy is nuts, right? And, and what nerve? That's only a small picture, though, you see, of how ridiculous, in a sense, it is for us to go to God and expect to be forgiven. What I mean is in asking God to forgive our debt, we are going to him as those who have always missed the mark. By nature, we do nothing but trample his glory underfoot, continually break his commandments, and now we pray that God would just dismiss our debts? Just let our punishment go, God. And not only that, but in praying this prayer, we are asking that God would regard us as righteous and therefore as worthy of blessings. And this is clearly part of the request because God is a just God. And he regards all people as either sinners worthy of condemnation or as righteous worthy of heaven. There's really no in-between. If God forgives us our debts, this means He's no longer angry with us. It means we are no longer under his wrath against our sin. But if we are no longer under his wrath, then we must be under his love. And so what is implied is that in asking him to dismiss our debts, we are asking actually for the opposite of punishment, the punishment that we deserve. We are now asking that he would love us, that he would regard us as his friend, that he would bestow blessings on us as those who are now in his favor. And so... Really, we are praying in this fifth, uh, fifth petition, so dismiss our debts so that we never provoke your holy wrath against us and instead consider us righteous that we may be worthy objects of your favor. Think of that. After all that we have done against him in hatred, how could we ever think that God would forgive us and treat us with love and with favor. It's something like that man not only asking to have the bank erase his debt, but he's, he, he, it's like asking, can you also credit my account with thousands of dollars? It must be absolutely clear in your mind how unworthy we are to ask such a request. It should be plain that we should never expect God to just dismiss our sins with a sweep of his hand. The debt that we owe to God is astronomical. He's a just God who, in fact, must punish every infraction of his law. It's a bold request to have him cancel our debt, to actually take us into his favor and bless us. We ought to pause and we ought to think about how in the world it could ever be that we could hope for that to happen. But, of course, this is where Jesus Christ comes in. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you understand your debt to God as you should, then you should know that you cannot expect God to answer your prayer for forgiveness on the basis of your own merits. That's not, that's not how it's going to happen. The very idea of that is ludicrous. And forgiveness is not something to be demanded of God as something due us, but must be requested as a gracious mercy. You must know that you have nothing of yourself that you can present to God as a reason why he should just dismiss your sin. In fact, it would only incite God's anger all the more if you were to go to him and just insist that he should just let your debt go. Not only have you shown yourself over and over again to be his enemy, but the reality is that God can't just let sin go. 
can't just forgive sin. His justice has to be satisfied. The payment must be executed. And if our sins are to be forgiven, God's justice must be met. And you see, God in his great mercy decided to satisfy his own justice with the sending of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ paid that debt through his suffering and death on the cross. And what brings glory to God is this contrast, you see, between our own unworthiness and God's great grace. And we pray this prayer then, forgive us our debts only through Christ. We come to God saying, God, forgive us our debts because we know that Christ has met all of the demands of the law for those who trust in him. Forgive us not because of anything in us, but because of your promise in your word that if we come to you pleading the blood of Christ, you will dismiss our debts. And so Christ and his saving work are at the very heart of this prayer. We could never for one moment expect, expect to be heard and for this prayer to be answered except for Christ. The promise of the gospel is that sinners are forgiven. You can expect to be forgiven. You will be forgiven through faith in Christ. You see yourself as in debt to God were it not for Christ and his death in your place. And do you know in your own heart that this Forgiveness could never be yours except for Christ because of what he has done. Forgiveness is totally due to Christ, and this truth must be kept in mind to understand, especially that last clause of the Lord's Prayer where it says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. You should know right away that scripture here is not saying that we make ourselves worthy of forgiveness by forgiving others. But it does mean that you can't expect God to forgive your sins if you do not forgive the brother that has sinned against you. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, there in verses 14 and 15, it says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. At the end of the parable of the unmerciful servant, there is a similar warning where it says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. It's talking about delivering you to the torturers until you have paid the last cent. That's what your heavenly Father will do to you if you from your hearts do not forgive your brother. What this means then is that if you do not forgive your brother, if you are not willing to forgive those who have sinned against you, you have not known the forgiveness of your sins by God. Notice Jesus says here in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as as we forgive our debtors. Not because we forgive our debtors, but as that is in the way of forgiving our debtors. The idea is that we can expect God to forgive us only if we are forgiving our debtors. And again, this is not because our forgiveness of others merits God's forgiveness of us. It's really only by grace that we are enabled to forgive our debtors. It's completely unnatural for us to forgive others. And so this forgiving of others is evidence of God's grace at work in us. If you refuse to forgive sins committed against you, then you can have no confidence that God is going to forgive your sins. But if God works forgiveness in your heart toward others, and you can know that God has done the same for you.
For us to see the very same grace that leads you to seek forgiveness through Christ that enables you to forgive others. Forgiveness of others, being forgiven, they go together. They are both realities in the true child of God. To forgive others is evidence of the fact that you know God's grace at work in your life, forgiving you. What a great blessing that is. And so forgiveness flows out in your relationships with others. And it's part of how you can know that you are a truly born-again, forgiven Christian. Yet that's not the entire meaning of this final clause, for there's also a comparison here. Forgive us our debts as we also, he means in the sense of like or to the same degree that we forgive our debtors. Forgive us, Lord, just like or in the same way that we have forgiven others. We ask God to forgive us in the same way we forgive others. That places a great obligation on us on how we're forgiving others. How are you handling those who are in debt to you, those who have wronged you? Do you, for example, wait around until they come to you? You must remember that God did not wait around until you came to him, but he came to you while you were enemies, dead in trespasses and sins, by grace regenerating you, leading you to repentance. It's not wait for your brother, but you must discuss with him right now the matter in question with the hope that he will ask for forgiveness and that you can forgive him. Do you forgive others reluctantly or not at all? You forgive them only a certain number of times. God never says to us, well, I've forgiven you for this sin already so many times. I'm not going to forgive you again. God doesn't do that. Our mercy must be without limit, like God's mercy. By telling us to pray for his forgiveness, God is saying that we can only expect God to forgive us to the degree that we forgive others. Our forgiveness of others is the comparison that God wants us to use as we explain to him the kind of forgiveness we want him to grant us. And that's scary, if you think about it. We We need God to change our hearts. We need him to give us such an awe, such an amazing sense of the awe in him forgiving us. This great debt, huge debt that we could never pay. We need need him to give us a sense of that so that we will be willing to forgive the small debts that are done against us by others. I trust that you can see that the more we think about this petition, the more we need to ask for God's forgiveness. We need, we need forgiveness for our inability to even ask for forgiveness properly. We need forgiveness for our lack of repentance, for our lack of perfect repentance. Our repentance is lacking in so many ways. That's how mixed up in sin we are. And yet Christ would not have you to be discouraged by this. He wants you to come to him with this prayer The truth is that there can be no forgiveness of sins except that you know that you are a sinner and are not good enough on your own. There's no forgiveness of sins, in fact, until you know that Christ alone can deliver you from your sins and will. He is ready and willing to forgive your sins as you confess them to him. That's, in fact, in turning to your sin, I mean to Christ, away from your sin, it's then that your debt is dismissed. That's the promise of the gospel. 
and the reason why we continue to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the hope of forgiveness that is not possible if we were left to ourselves. Father, the debt that we owe you, the, 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 the failure that we have uh, in uh, failing to, to meet the standard of your law, Lord, would, would hang over us and condemn us for all eternity. But we thank you that in the way of confessing our sins, uh, to you through the Lord Jesus Christ on the basis of his saving work. We thank you, Father, that there is forgiveness. And we pray, Father, that this, this forgiveness that you have granted us would, would be so awesome in our minds and, and affect our lives so deeply that we would be willing to forgive the debts uh, of people who sin against us. We pray that our lives and how we live in relationship with others would be a reflection on our relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.